your host, Holly, and it's time for a little teaser talk. Happy Teaser Talk Tuesday, everyone. Today, I have a guest on that I cannot wait to chat with. I am talking about Mike Zemer with Third String Entertainment. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, how are you? I am fantastic. I know, what are we, about like 30 days or less from the Soet Festival? Is that countdown going on, right? Exactly, I think, yeah. (laughs) It's wild. It's so exciting. And a little bit of a tease of this episode for those listening in is we're going to discuss his experience with local music management, um, his event planning that led him really onto the path that he's on today, as well as the growth of the music festival since its launch in 2008. I'm looking forward to talking about this year's lineup because, man, it's amazing. I feel like every year you guys have such a stellar lineup. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be just as good as next year. But here we are in 2023 with the 15th um, edition of So What? So let's just hop right into it. Um, I know it's super cool because I was kind of doing a creepy Google search on you and what brought you to the career path. I know, right? It's so crazy. Google's a powerful tool, but what brought you to the career path of you, you know, putting on these huge festivals is really just doing this interviewing musicians. So what got you into having such a passion for music and kind of led you on that path of interviewing people? Um, so I grew up in California and I grew up around, you know, the surf, skate, punk rock culture. Um, I was admittedly more of like an athlete. I played soccer, basketball, baseball, everything. And then I moved to Texas and I had this like skater kid look and like spiky hair and stuff. And so um, everyone at my like super suburban preppy school was like, oh, you're a punk rock kid. And I was like, sure. That's, that's my identity now that I've moved here. And like I, the only people that I like really, I mean, I was friends with everyone in the school. Like I didn't have any like enemies or bullies or any cool stories like that. But um, I was just like friends with the kids that were in bands and all they wanted to do was go to shows, play shows. Um, and so for me, I was saving up to buy a car and I was like, well, I can't pay for all these shows. So I'm going to start interviewing bands. And I reached out to a couple online webzines and they would get me tickets to go to these shows. And then eventually the venues just kind of knew who I was. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. And like, I stopped paying for shows. So I'd hang out with all these bands, talk to these bands. And then eventually it got to a point where they were like, hey, can you help us out? You know, all these people, you have connections. Like, how can we get on events? Because, I mean, this was, I'm old as fuck. So 2004, um was when I graduated and Dallas wasn't really like all ages friendly like they had all ages shows like fallout boy was starting to become a big band and brand new and census fail and stuff like that but like aside from those bands they weren't like supporting local bands there was no like it it was such a there was like hundreds of bands competing for like two side stage slots a weekend at this venue called the door and everyone else was having to play bars where you drive straight from school you load in at six the show's over by nine and none of your friends can make it so you don't get paid and no one actually sees your band but you got to play a show and take pictures um so i just i started helping out bands and then the biggest thing they needed was shows and i was like okay i guess i'm a promoter now (laughs) (laughs) it just kind of like went with it i put on a show it was successful 500 people came out and I was like, all right, I'll keep doing this. And it was at a community center in 
just kind of like spiraled. I mean, it was just, I, I was always passionate about music, but I never thought it was going to be like a career. When I was growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor or like a lawyer or a politician or like, I don't know, I was in model United Nations and really good at arguing. So I was like, I'll probably do something like that. But now, now I'm just a concert promoter still. <laughs> That's awesome. I You're speaking my language, and I guess I'm old as fuck too because I graduated in 2007. So you're speaking my language about Fall Out Boy, brand new, all these people. And it's funny because I can relate so much because when I was in high school, I mean, I grew up super poor, so I didn't have any money to go to concert tickets. So I literally would like pimp out people's MySpace pages in return to get concert tickets. So it's funny. That's cool to see how that <laughs> developed from that. Let's talk about like a little bit of the early years of the festival. How I mean, obviously it's evolved, not only just the growth of it, but also the name. How has the progression came to and really how have you really, um, I guess, scaled it? Because it's definitely, I can imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah, so it started out, our first show that we ever did was in March and it was around South by Southwest. So I had these local bands and then I had a few national bands that like wanted to jump on it because they were around. And so every March was like our anniversary show. So first show was 2004, 2005 was our one year anniversary, 2006 was our two year, 2007 was our three year. And then by 2008, one of the guys that did all of our graphic design was just joking around and he was like, man, you should just call this South by So What? Because there's no, no need for anyone to go down to South by Southwest. And I was like, no, let's, let's run with it and see, you know, like what happens. And so it technically has gone longer than the 15 years because it was always just our anniversary show and then we changed the name to south by so what and then we changed it to so what music festival and we started doing like fall versions of it um a deep ellum version where we kind of like did what south by southwest did and took over a bunch of venues um and then like obviously last year was in may we've done a houston one in april and this year we're in june so um it, it kind of evolved past like being just a playoff of South by Southwest. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that South by Southwest kind of stopped supporting, not necessarily supporting, but maybe our scene stopped supporting South by Southwest. Like it just became more like super indie and hip hop. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of metal anymore. Um, I mean, alternative press stopped doing their showcase. Artery Foundation isn't even a company anymore. Like those were the big ones at South by Southwest that were kind of like the anchors and then everybody else would do their showcases off of that. So we just kind of evolved into our own thing and made it what it is. And we really liked the name to stay similar to it, but like the whole, so what attitude is like the way that we talk online is like kind of sarcastic and, and piss people off sometimes is the way that Ryan does. But um, it's also just like, we wanted to be able to do what we wanted to do with the festival. Like it's funny when people are like, Oh, you put this on there and that. And it's like, well, if you look at the first year we had Jeffree star, like, I don't even know what category of music that was. It was like MySpace, neon pop. (laughs) I don't know, just whatever. But um, we wanted to be able to like evolve into like anything that's just like energy, like, Mm-hmm. can move to it like I don't know I've, I've gone to festivals where artists that I really love like Bright Eyes play but it's just not the vibe for like six o'clock at a festival when you're about to go watch Jay-Z next or something you know what I mean like yeah we wanted everything to be just like 
everybody like hype, I guess is a good word to say it. So that includes adding in some hip hop that includes sometimes having a DJ or whatever. And so with the idea, so what it was like, you know what, let's just make this our brand. Like we can do whatever we want. We're going to be one festival one year, another festival next year. This year might appeal to you. Last year might've appealed to you more, but it's going to appeal to enough people that we can just keep growing this festival. Yeah, before we had uh, hit record on this, we were chatted a little bit because I want to do some fact checking just to ensure that everything was correct. But you had mentioned before that people were like, oh, yeah, the So Wet Festival. This is like the second year. It was brand new last year. And I laughed at, my, I laughed at that because I'm thinking, you know, I think a lot of it, there was so much hype with um, the When We Were Young Festival. And I think, I don't want to say it was competition, but it was almost kind of like dang, there's these two really great ones coming on. So maybe it just kind of went viral because people were kind of saying that they were very, I don't know, but I just had to laugh at, my, like, at that because, yeah, it's definitely not the first year. And you're really, I mean, you're obviously, you're a promoter. You're fantastic when it comes to marketing. I was looking and, like I said, I was creeping on you online and there's a lot of information. I was like, am I reading this about myself? It's crazy to see that. But the whole Jeffree Star thing, I mean, that's, he, like, that's smart marketing. I mean, for those who... Remember Jeffrey Star before he was uh, the cosmetic, you know, icon or however you want to say him, how he is now. But Jeffrey Star in MySpace days dominated. Like it was loud, it was like different. And uh, one of my friends is from Hollywood Undead, and they used they had a collaboration at one point with them. And I was like, damn, like it's just a so smart marketing ploy for people to do that. And then just a lot of people just don't understand it because they're like, wait, what's going on? But yeah. Yeah, I mean, kudos to that. before before MySpace, if anyone even knows what that is, anymore, <laughs> uh, before MySpace changed it and you had certain people in your top eight, mm-hmm. you would target those artists like X Matthew X, Jeffree Star, My Children, My Bride, like so that when they changed their image to our flyer for like the day or whatever, everybody saw it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the ways that like we really – blew up promoting was through myspace and like using influencers before you knew they were called influencers yep. um and i mean we did jeffrey star's first festival appearance where he was a special guest and then he came back for unsilent night that year to actually like perform and it got wild i mean texas isn't exactly like the most accepting place for somebody yeah. like jeffrey star to make their debut performance so like there were water bottles thrown there was like some, somebody was like messing with him and he like took off his heel and like threw it at the kid and like used to be able to find these videos on the internet but like I don't know where it feels like the internet before 2010 has somehow just like disappeared I try to find like old videos from my shows and pictures and things and like I just I can't maybe for a lot of people that's a good thing but yeah like it just there was this video where like somebody was talking shit and Jeffrey just turns around and throws a heel at the kid. I'm like, damn, that was brutal. <laughs> but it was like, it was just chaos. Like the whole festival was chaos. Like, and that's what I loved about it. It was just like all these upcoming acts that had no idea how big they were. Like we booked Breathe Carolina for the first time. We booked Medic Droid for the first time. We had a day to remember to drive all the way from Florida to Plano for a thousand dollars. Like, before they even knew how to use an 808 pad. Like Alex was learning from um, the drummer of My Children and My Bride at that show. And like, it just, it was crazy. Like we were so ahead of the time. And like, that's what we try to tell people when they like look at our lineup and they're like, oh, well, I, don't, I only know some of these. I'm like, well, you're going to know everybody within a year or two. Mm-hmm. So like pay attention to like, they just, they just pick like random names to make fun of. Like this year, everyone's making fun of 
the name Little Bubblegum. And I'm like, he's really good. Like, if you listen to his music, like, he's got really good collaborations. He's going to be a big artist. And, like, you're just sitting over here making fun of a name. And, like, you'll be in the crowd when he plays. I guarantee it. Like, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that was the same response when people saw Jeffree Star on a flyer. So, Yeah, for sure. People tend to judge a book, whether it be a name or a face, by its cover. And then they get kind of you know, I guess proven wrong whenever they blow up. And that is one thing too, that you guys are really known for is like, obviously you have these great um, acts like this year. I know we have like the use things, people like that, um, Pierce the Bell, but you're also really known for bringing in people who haven't hit big just yet. How do you like, do you have a crystal ball? Like how do you determine it? How do you find talent like that? I mean, we, we just pay attention to like socials. We pay attention to like, engagements not just like what followers or streams look like like fans actually being engaged and also like just doing shows year round it's easy to see like who's starting to like pop off and it's funny because there's such a like fight against merch rates right now and we count in and count out every band a lot of the time if you're a smaller band like we give the money back or we don't take it in the first place, but we use that information to see who's buying whose merch at shows. Like, is there an opening band that's absolutely dominating the headliners and selling merch? Like that tells you everything. And we, we tell bands that when we count them in, we're like, let us be accurate. <laughs> we're not going to actually take the money from you, but like, we want to know are you, you know, this hundred dollar opening band that's outselling the headliner on merch. Like you're obviously going to be the next big thing. And I, I just think that's like a strategy people aren't thinking of and not using. And if you're watching this and you're a promoter, you're welcome. You should definitely do it. It's very helpful. <laughs> but I mean, this year, like even, even in booking this lineup, like we were initially, um, all, we almost had sleep token and then they just like shifted their touring schedule. And so they're doing fall festivals instead of summer festivals. But like, we were way on top of that. Um, trying to think some of the other things that we had discussed just just things like that i mean like having body snatcher as a logo band on our on our lineup and putting people like lolo and taylor acorn on main stage like just they're all even from the time that we booked them to now like the things that they've done it's just you can tell like there's just something around certain artists that you can see what kind of tours they're getting who's supporting them who's talking about them and like that's that's what's always made us successful like people would look at our lineups and be like oh asking alexandria is the headliner no one's going to be there and then by the time the festival comes around asking alexandria is the biggest metalcore band in the scene and there's seven thousand people at their stage alone so um it's just kind of always been the thing for us is like owning that middle ground of festivals like we don't we don't aspire to be like danny wimmer where he's getting metallica on top and things like that like that's not our lane he's amazing at that trying to even compete with that would be silly and like blue ridge even like they book every artist like we're not going to book slip not it'd be cool one day maybe but like just having everything that's buzzing and doing well and like that mix of like your legacy acts like neck deep's been around for a while mm -hmm. the use your surveil but then like right under them you have so many like up and coming great acts that could be headliners in the next couple of years like Don Broco. Don Broco should be headlining every festival. <laughs> They're so good.
I was so excited, but this year you guys have, you guys did it different than last year, correct? Like it was two, it's two days this year versus three days prior. Yeah. So can we share a little bit about that? And also too, like, you know, are you guys still, I know, like we just said, it's like less than, or 30 days. Actually, when people listen to this next week, it'll be a little bit less than 30 days. So within that change, um, are you guys still looking to maybe put like add an additional stage? I know you guys have, are, stages are your thing. So I just wanted to chat about um, that. I found that interesting. I mean, we already added a fourth stage. So that's, that's about all we can do um, yeah. this year. But I mean, we just, we learned a lot from last year. Like last year was not a good year for us. And there was just so many things. I mean, from like an outsider's perspective, it was amazing. Like everybody had a great time. Mm -hmm. Everything, like the lineup was insane, but it just happened during the worst possible time for the economy. And Memorial Day weekend is the most competitive time and gas prices and just all these things. And like one of the problems that we had last year was our lineup was too good and there were too many scheduling conflicts that it wasn't worth it for a lot of people. Cause they're like, well, I have to pick between four bands that I want to see. And like, that's how I imagine something like Blue Ridge is where every single band you want to see is on the lineup, but like you only have so much time to run between stages. So this year we, we narrowed it down to three stages. We added a fourth due to like the demand for more heavy music and obviously tickets are doing really well. So we could add it. And we cut it down to two days because we just, based on submissions, that's what made sense. Like we've been a single day festival. We've been a three day festival. We've been a two day festival. We've done one kickoff day where we have a bunch of shows in Deep Ellum and then we go to the actual festival. So, um, I mean, this week is kind of like, or this week, this year is kind of interesting because we kind of have like a, so what week it basically starts on the Wednesday with that neck deep show that we just announced yesterday where they're doing their EPs with real friends. And then Thursday, I'm trying to think what will be announced by the time this comes, like, what can I talk about? <laughs> this Thursday. will air next Tuesday. So, okay. So weird. then Thursday we have a couple shows and then Friday we have secret show. We have, Aaron Gillespie and Craig Owens. And then we have like our big like emo night style kickoff. And then we have like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We have headlining large acts playing small venues that are not announced yet. And there's just so much going on. Like even if you live here and, and you have to work during the day and you can't make the festival, you're still going to end up at one of these shows or parties or whatever. Um, so it really does give everybody – a lot more value for like their time and like coming here and everything. But yeah, it's, it's hard to do three days worth of talent unless you get like the right headliners. Cause we've definitely had years where we like force a third day headliner and it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> we also booked our festival in the middle of the busy European touring schedule um, and festival schedule. And most of these bands haven't played that festival circuit since pre COVID. So it was a priority for everybody this year. Um, next year, maybe we'll go back to three days. I like two days because it's far less exhausting. Um, three days straight is is a lot, but um, I don't know. We tried to just kind of do everything different this year. Like a lot of festivals expanded to four days, and that seems like overkill. And um, we cut down stages. We made ticket prices way cheaper. We kind of like how do we fight inflation and the economy and just like struggles people are having like last year during the festival, I think gas hit $5 in Texas and like 
I've never seen that price outside of like New York or LA ever in my life. Like, so for it to be in Texas, I was like, man, everything is just insane for people. So we kind of went to the drawing board and we're like, what do we do differently aside from like our lineup and like our whole like mentality about things? Like, how do we make this more cost efficient for people that love these bands and want to come out? And like, we worked a deal with Fair Park to where parking's only going to be $10 per day. They're capping it at that. Like last year, we were in the middle of like four different stadiums. And one of the days, the cheapest parking was $60. So like you've already, you spent all your money on all this stuff. And then like, now you have to pay $60 parking. How many people couldn't even go to the festival because they didn't have that extra 60 bucks right there? You know, like it's, it's just crazy trying to, trying to figure out the formula that works for everybody and like trying to keep the consumer and ticket buyer in mind more so than like ourselves. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I admire about you guys is you are very fan centric in the sense of you're very considerate of like gas prices, right? It's showing the how much you're looking for really the experience for everyone and really making it affordable for, you know, not just a handful of people to come, but everyone. So that's super cool. And, you know, like I had said in the opening, uh, 2023 will be the 15th edition of So What? I'm sure you've seen the Woodstock 99 documentary or documentaries, I should say. And definitely crazy ending. Um, just when you were like, whoa, wait, what? Okay, it's crazy. What challenges have you faced over the last 15 years plus? I mean, obviously not including all the other shows that you have done in organizing and promoting such a, a beast and really having to overcome those and making it to where you're still having a great reputation. Because I feel like once something bad happens and you're forever known as like the fire festival. Right. So yeah. uh, what are some of those challenges and how do you really kind of combat them? I mean, our biggest challenges that we had early on were like, where do we put the festival? Um, after doing the festival for two years at the Plano center, they were like, you've outgrown our venue. You need to move on. And we tried an arena arena didn't really work because people don't want to sit and you can't just put everyone on the floor and then we went to another venue and it sold out in advance because the capacity was too small. And then we're like, okay, we'll go to a baseball stadium. And then once you're outside, you have all the weather issues. So we had a couple of years where like certain bands got rained out or like not really rained out because rain isn't a big issue. It was like lightning, thunder, tornado warning. Like March, March and April are very tough months. And that's when we always had the festivals in March um last year it was super hot so how do you combat that like it's just it's mostly like weather related things and then um i'm trying to think like we've never had like a big artist bail last minute or anything um yeah just like growing pains in general and like i guess general how do you market to the right crowd how do you reach how do you adapt from MySpace dying to Facebook being irrelevant to Instagram to how do you get people on TikTok to pay attention? And I mean, we still, we do everything. We still have posters and flyers that we pass out like physical ones. We do like promo meetups. We do exchanges with bars to get flyers everywhere. So um, I can't really think of anything like insane that we've had to deal with, but general growing pains is probably the biggest thing. And like this year is probably going to be the first year that we ever do over 10,000 people per day. And after you hit that milestone, you're like in a different league, like everything below that is kind of like 
not not just a show but it's like a a mini festival pretty much and then once you start hitting you know 10,000 people a day it's like well do can we get to 20,000 like what do we need on here so I mean it'll just be another another round of growing pains and figuring out like do we stay at this venue do we need to go to a bigger venue where would we go to a bigger venue um I just that and I mean the biggest obstacle you always have is pleasing the fans like mm -hmm. you last year there's probably half the people that bought tickets had never heard of our festival before assumed it was the first year and so this year they're like wait why don't you have two chains and trippy red and it's like well we're not gonna book the same lineup every year like you just yeah. you can't you can't duplicate it um but you know there's for every person that doesn't like the lineup there's like a million people that do like the lineup and you see so many people that are like, I wish I could make that. I wish this was in the UK. I wish this was in Australia. Like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you're for everyone or for no one. So like, I agree with you. It's can't have it. Even as a fan, like I, there's a lot of festivals that they do book the same people over and over, which is I'm great to hear that they have that fabulous relationship with the artist, but I just skip them. Cause I'm like, yeah. okay, I've seen them like a million times. Like, of course, you know, I don't, I keep scrolling. It's so funny too, seeing all people like take time out of their day to, to rag on lineups and stuff like that. But that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm super excited. Um, I was actually planning to come on like on Friday, but now you teasing all this other stuff about it starting like midweek. Uh, I'm going to have to get myself to Dallas a lot sooner than what I anticipated. So I'm looking. Yeah, I wish we could have announced a little bit earlier because we announced that neck deep show and then people were like, I'm trying to change my flight and add an extra hotel day. And like all these, all these like crazy travel plans, but um, we'll see that goes on sale tomorrow. It'll probably sell out pretty instantly. The other ones did. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. We just keep adding more things to <laughs> make it better. Um, I love it. So I'm not going to make you pick your favorite child, but I'm going to make you pick your favorite child. Who are you most excited to have and host this year for the 2023 So What Music Festival? I mean, for me, probably it's a toss up between the starting line because I've always wanted to book the starting line and Goth Boy Click because that's going to be such a rare, it's almost everybody. I mean, obviously Lil Pete passed away and Wicca is not going to be able to do it, but it's everybody else. And they're just planning some really cool production things to make up for those people not being there. And I just, I think it's going to be really special. Um, and then on day one, obviously Pierce the Veil, like mm -hmm. they're the biggest band by far uh, in the scene right now that is just, this tour is crushing. We just went to Austin uh tuesday for the tour and it was deafening in that arena like everybody knew every single word and i just can't like those are those moments when you're it's your own event and you're just like you have chills the whole time and it's just special like they're not like my personal favorite band to listen to but to watch and like to see the fans and everything that would definitely be them well i'm definitely excited about all of everyone that's on there but definitely looking forward to pierceville as well now as far as a flip question to that who is somebody you haven't booked yet that you would like to work with or have on your stage? So we did book Bring Me the Horizon, but they got stormed out. Wow. I've been wanting to get them back. And that was like, I think it was the septuaternal year. So they were like just starting to like really 
blow past like headlining house of blues and stuff like that. So that would be awesome. Um, who have we not booked that want to book? AFI would be incredible. That was one of the bands that we were talking to this year, but they had already been too deep in confirming their own tour. Um, that would have been really, really cool. That would have been really cool, yeah. Uh, they, them, Coheed and Cambria, and Thursday did a tour together, or were supposed to do a tour together in 2004, and they played the venue that I started booking shows at, and that was kind of like the inspiration for me to do shows there was that that tour got canceled and I had no idea that like you could do real tours there. I thought it was always just like these side rooms and things like that. And so that's when I started like basically taking over that venue um, because of that tour. So like Coheed would be amazing. Uh, AFI would be amazing. Obviously Thursday is on this year. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, we've booked so many, <laughs> we've had so many bands like we've had g easy play our festival we've had day to remember play we've had bring me the horizon play like i feel like we've had so many it's hard like I'll, I'll look at old posters and like some small print like when polyphia was a local band like they they started playing it and then they became like a larger act on it but i'll look carefully at those and be like oh we have booked that band before like they were on a tour package with this band i forgot about that so it's kind of hard like I feel like we've booked almost everybody. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, it is crazy. Like even like watching people, you're like, I remember like from Ashes to New, I know that they've they've come, they've blown up pretty well big since um I've seen them, but I remember just seeing them and experiencing them live. And I'm like, oh, these guys sound great. And then the next thing you know, like, you know, they're on Sirius XM and they're actually, you know, getting a lot of traction and in this moment, people like that. So it is super cool to see how you guys have that crystal ball and you're really you really predict the future of who's going to hit. Um, obviously, as everyone heard earlier, when you're kind of breaking down the mathematics of it, it's it is um, there's a system of that. But I think it was very interesting too. And, and what's really cool is too. I, I feel like one thing um, that the rock industry has, um, I don't want to say done a poor job of, but I feel like there's a lot of ego, and a lot of times they don't do collaborations because it's the whole rock star mentality, and. Um, I, I love my friends, but there's some of them that are the same way. But what was cool is I've seen people like Travis Barker that actually start finding these influencers on TikTok and finding talent that way. Um, what's your thoughts on how people are, you know, putting themselves out there? And then also any tips as a promoter, how somebody can stand out? Because at first it's like super cool because it's, now it's like everyone has a stage to perform on. But now it's like, okay, now everyone has a stage to perform on. It's so much co congestion out there. How does... How do people stand out for um, to people like you when it comes to like YouTube videos, TikTok videos, so on and so forth? I think everything is just so, I don't want to say random because I think that things all happen for a reason, but I just feel like there's always something compelling about an artist, whether it's their look, their sound immediately, their branding, whatever it is, it's something different for everyone. Like I was going through Instagram reels yesterday and I came across this post from Bonnie and Clyde which is a DJ duo. And they did this little like, we tried for so long to get big. And then one day it happened overnight where this person, it was like Trap Nation or something, played their song and then it got millions of views and they blew up and all of a sudden they were on every festival. And 
they're like, someone found us, so we want to find someone else. And they came across this artist that had like 500 followers and they just had this really good like acoustic song. There's a video of them playing it just like in their studio. And Bonnie and Clyde reached out to them and now their huge new single is with those people. And now those people have like 20,000 followers and like they're starting to blow up. And I think those things are just so cool and random, but like, that's really how it happens. Like things just appear in front of you. Like we're such a, like, we're, we're literally like the ADHD generation of like, nope, next, 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 next. And then there's like that half of a second noise or visual or something that you catch while you're just doom scrolling that you're like, wait a minute. And then next thing you know, you've watched a hundred videos from this artist and they're like your new favorite artist. I think that um, I'm probably going to butcher her name, but like Ali Spagnolia or whatever her name is on Twitter, where she does these weird, very weird renditions of songs where it's like, what if the song by the Jonas brothers was done by hitting cowbells or like just crazy. She does such strange things, but like, that's her thing. And like, she gets everyone's attention and gets so many views. Um, for me personally, like, I just like people that are polite <laughs> and like, Hey, like to the point, like, Hey, can you check out my music? Here's a link. Like almost always I'll click it and check it out. But if you have that one opportunity to hit someone up and you're like, Hey, would love for you to check out my music, but there's no link. There's no information. By the time I come back to your message later, I've probably already like moved on. And like, you're probably buried in my like messages of like Instagram and everything. As soon as you're tagged, you're, there's another message in your inbox. It's not like a notification. It's another message. So just being like to the point, like, Hey, my name is Mike. I'm in this band. Here's our link. We've played with these five bands. We sound like this. I feel like you would like this. Like just kind of like bonus points. If you know what I listen to and think that I'm going to like you based on that. Like I saw you post about free throw. We're also an emo band from the Midwest. Check us out. Like things like that. But I mean, I think for me, the most effective one is Twitter. When you reply to me on something and send me your music, like, especially when I'm asking for it, I listen to so many bands from that. And like so many artists, I've started managing artists from that. I've put artists on my small record label. I put artists on, you know, opening main stage at a festival from that. I love being able to like help out an artist that has absolutely no following, like being able to look at our ticket sales and everything for this year and be like, okay, well, you know, we can do some sort of like, you can open up this stage if we find somebody or something like that. I guess I shouldn't say publicly that we might have one more slot left because then I'll get slammed. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like you can always like make that 20 minutes or something for an artist that you come across. And um, we also do like battle the bands events where people can perform live. And if we like them, we'll add them to the festival. Um, I feel like at least once a month I'm posting somewhere on social media, like who is a band that sounds like this? Like one of the big things last year for me was like, who's got like that dirty, gritty, like Southern rock type. He is legend sound. And now like, ironically I'm managing, he is legend just from like posting about that. But um, well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think too, it's like standing out being different, but I, cause like for me, when I started the podcast, I literally, you know, slid into DMs and asking people, hey, you want to be on my show? And I think that that a lot of people make the mistake is when they do sign into a DM, 
they're too into themselves. Like yeah. they're too like, Hey, you're going to sleep on me again this year. Like I put myself out last year for you and stuff like this. If you had a dollar for every DM that you had, I'm sure that says that or email, but oh, also it's too, like, it's, it's like, you're going to regret not putting me on a <laughs> guy with 34 followers. Just yeah. me, like, cool. You might be famous one day, but I'm not going to regret it because you were a jerk. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's also too, it's taking consideration of who you're co connecting with. And like you said, like, taking some time to actually get to know you and see what sounds you're into and how they can align with that. So that was a great tip right there. If, if anyone's listening and there you guys are wanting to slide into a DM or an email with Mike, make sure you uh, take those tips or else I guess he will sleep on you and you will not be on the stage. <laughs> we, also, we also always put up a, a submission link probably like June. Well, I guess this year it'd be like <clears throat> July or August, but I'm just like, send your music. And it's so funny because we do it almost a year out. So sometimes we'll review it closer to the event and we're like, wow, that band's already signed and touring. Like that band's on the festival because they're with this band. And like, it's, it really is like the artists that are willing to take that few minutes to fill out form and send you their music and do it properly. They're like, are worth checking out in the first place. Absolutely. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time and chatting with us about the Soap Music Festival. Um, for those who are listening in, you guys make it last minute, hop on a plane or hop on a bird, um, <laughs> jump on a horse if you're in Texas, uh, head over to the Soap Festival, which is happening June 24th and 25th. But then also, too, it sounds like there's a whole bunch of cool pre-show or pre-festival events happening. So make sure you follow Mike and it's at M-I-K-E. Z-I-E-M-E-R on social as well as the at So What Music Festival. Um, you guys are really funny. I enjoy following the page because it's just funny memes and stuff like that. Really like, just me. <laughs> it, I, I'll sit there and I'll see something. I get bamboozled. I'm like, ah, I fell for it again. Like you guys are just being silly. But it's a great time. And I just appreciate you guys, you know, making music festivals fun and really thinking about the fans. And I'm can't wait to to be there and experience it with you guys this year. Um, so to put a bow on it, uh, what are your big plans for Sew Up Festival moving forward? Uh, can you kind of tease something um, when it comes to 2024 and other festivals coming up that you have planned in the future? I would say expect that Dallas won't be the only location for the festival. We're looking at doing other stuff. So <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that cliffhanger. Everyone, make sure you go follow them so you can stay up to date and kind of be the first one to know because you don't want to sleep on the music festival itself. Um, appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much for being on. And I will definitely see you in Dallas next month. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Teaser Talk. Head over to teasertalk.com to subscribe so you don't miss out on another episode. Until next week, keep rocking.